Welcome back, my friends. Welcome back to another edition of Corbett Report Radio. I am your host, James Corbett, from CorbettReport.com, and what a broadcast we have lined up for you this evening. A noble lie, as defined by Plato back in The Republic, is a myth or untruth knowingly told by the elite to maintain social harmony or the social position of the elite. And a noble lie also happens to be the name of a new documentary that is getting ready to be shipped on December 9th of 2011, just next week, by two documentary filmmakers, the director, James Lane, and the writer, Holland van den Neuenhoff, both of whom have been guests on CorbettReport.com in the past, talking about the Oklahoma City bombing on April 19th, 1995. And for people who haven't heard them speak about this subject before, you are in for a treat because they are absolutely a wealth of information on this topic, and I'm very much looking forward to talking to both of them tonight. But first up, right off the bat, I have a clip from the trailer for this documentary that I'd like to, to play for you so that we get a little bit of an idea what this documentary is about and the kind of information it contains. So let's go to the clip. On April 19th, 1995, explosions tore through the Federal Building in Oklahoma City, ripping through the consciousness of America. 168 people were killed and hundreds wounded. Since that day of horror, groundbreaking new information has come to light. So provocative, so explosive, that it threatens to shatter everything we thought we knew about the true base of terrorism. Based on the damage pattern to the building, what the government says is impossible. I haven't stopped asking questions. Because I know that we haven't been told the truth. What that tells you is that there were other explosive devices in the building that actually brought the building down. I know for a fact Timothy McVeigh was with another individual on the morning of April 19th, right before the bombing. He made the comment, yeah, we knew this was going to happen. That caused a lot of questions in people's minds about, well, what really happened here? The enhanced photo shows a very distinct possibility of a man standing behind that truck. A lot of patients, I think, were lost that could have been saved. The people that did the things they did have doggone well what they were doing. Some of these columns were ripped up, shredded, tossed around. God, I hate to think that they did it on purpose. Well, we can prove clearly that the official story is a fraud, that the government was involved, and is using it to demonize good Americans. All right, once again, that is the trailer to this new documentary film, A Noble Lie, which can be found at anoblelie.com. That's A-N-O-B-L-E-L-I-E.com. And, of course, the links will be in tonight's uh, show notes at corbettreport.com slash radio shortly after tonight's episode is broadcast. So look, stay tuned for that in case you miss the, the link. But this is called A Noble Lie. It's obviously a documentary about the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995, and it was really the culmination of years of painstaking research that I know both James Lane and Holland van den Neuenhoff have been doing on this incredibly important subject. So just reading from anoblelie.com, it says, The 1995 bombing in Oklahoma City was a direct blow to the heart of America. 168 people were killed, including 19 children. For those watching the nightly news, terrorism had come home. For years following the bombing, countless victims, family members, survivors, rescuers and ordinary americans have questioned the official accounts about that fateful day it goes on to say that this this documentary is the culmination of years of research and documentation conducted by independent journalists scholars and ordinary citizens often risking their personal safety and sanity 
they have gathered evidence which threatens to expose the startling reality of what exactly occurred at 9.02 a.m. on April 19, 1995, in Oklahoma City. So stay tuned right there, folks. After the break, we're going to be talking to James and Holland about their new documentary and the incredible research they've done for it. So please stick around. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to the broadcast, friends. James Corbett here from CorbettReport.com, and you are tuned into Corbett Report Radio, as tonight we are going to delve into the Oklahoma City bombing of 1995. And tonight we are honored to be joined on the line by documentary filmmakers James Lane and Holland Van den Neuenhoff to talk about their brand-new documentary, A Noble Lie, which is available again at AnobleLie.com. And I hope you go check it out and check out the trailer and order your copy. And I'm not just saying this. I just personally purchased my own copy just a few minutes ago because I am truly looking forward to this, having talked to both of these individuals before on CorbettReport.com. So I'm looking forward to, to hearing about this, uh, this culmination of so many years of research. Uh, Holland, James, it's great to have you on the program tonight. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us on. It's an honor again. Yeah, you well, are actually, uh, you know, right alongside us uh, in, in the research and the effort to expose uh, this lie. I, I appreciate the work that you've done to to bring awareness to the public about uh, about this situation. Well, it is a, a subject that I find extremely fascinating because I am, of course, interested in false flag terrorism, and the Oklahoma City bombing has always been one of the most interesting uh, uh, examples of what I, I think is a false flag terrorist incident because of the just overwhelming evidence that that is there waiting for anyone to uncover. It's just that we have not been presented with even a, a, a fraction of it in the mainstream media, of course. So so that's why documentaries like A Noble Eye are so important. But before we start getting into the documentary specifically, perhaps uh, we can hear a little bit about your, yourself and your own stories about how you came to start uh, researching this information. So first, perhaps we should uh, get acquainted with your voices. Uh, so first, let's talk to James Lane, the director of A Noble Eye. Uh, sure. Uh, you know, it was uh, it's kind of an interesting story. I, I was actually a window cleaner on high-rises uh, uh, at the time of April 19, 1995, and I was actually on uh, top of the federal building in Austin, Texas, uh, when the uh, Murrah building was attacked here in Oklahoma City. Uh, it was strange. We, we always, always get uh, security coming up there because people would call in that there was a jumper on the building when they'd see us walking around. Well, this was a little different. Uh, this time they, they were very serious, came up, uh, had a submachine gun, uh, you know, we show them our IDs and everything, and they're saying, get out of the building. So, you know, we're trying to get our equipment, and they're saying, no, leave it, evacuate now. Just you run, don't take the elevator. And uh, and that was really the my, my first, uh, you know, awareness that anything had happened. Um, you know, I, I, after, you know, I got involved and, and, you know, woke up and started trying to uh, get involved in activism and, and waking people up, uh, you know, I, I just I felt that I had a responsibility being from Oklahoma and, you know, meeting Holland, uh, Vanna Neunhoff, Chris Emery, uh, people that have been working on this for, for many more years than I have. Uh, I, I just felt that this story had to be told. I got to meet some of the, the survivors, the victims, family members. And, and there's a there's a there's a story to this. There's a real human element to it uh, that, you know, I think that a lot of people miss. You know, there were real lives impacted here. And these are the people that are asking for the truth, or the victims and the uh, family members and survivors. 
and and we just I think we have a duty to to get this this story out and and expose this because it keeps getting worse. You know, the the body count keeps going up. Uh, you know, the, the the legislation that's coming in. I mean, we sure we'll get into that later. But I mean, for for any number of reasons, and I think ultimately. Uh, bombing survivor uh, VZ Lawton uh, said it best when he said, without truth, there is no justice. Exactly right. And, of course, that echoes the sentiments of the 9-11 victims' uh, family members as well. And, of course, uh, often we hear the refrain that to question 9-11 is to, to do disservice to the memory of the victims when, of course, it's the exact opposite, which is the case exactly as in the OKC bombing. So, Holland, uh, Holland van den Neuenhoff, the writer of Nobelite, uh, tell us about yourself and your own journey. Um, well, at the time of the bombing, April 19th, 1995, I was in the Marine Corps, uh, stationed in Camp Pendleton, California. And even though I was, uh, busy doing all that stuff and, and wasn't able to pay attention to a whole lot that was going on in current affairs, even back home in Oklahoma, I was still picking, picking up tidbits of, of the truth that was coming out of the state after the bombing that the media was trying to cover up. And I remember one day I was, someone brought it up, uh, I, we were cleaning our weapons in the armory. Uh, after a firing range, and uh, someone brought up the Oklahoma City bombing. They knew I was from Oklahoma, and I started talking about some of this anomalous evidence. Unbeknownst to me, there were a couple officers uh, standing nearby listening, and basically they came over and told me to shut up, to talk, uh, to stop talking the way I was talking about the bombing, to, to disputing the official story. And at that, you know, basically I was in the Marines, and I could not say no. I had to follow orders, so I shut up. And when I got out of the Marine Corps, I decided that I would never shut up about the bombing again. And once I moved back a couple of years ago, I started passing out a handbill, a handwritten handbill just about the bombing and, and facts about the bombing. And I met some people who were involved in the truth-seeking efforts. I got involved with uh, helping out the Oklahoma Bombing Investigation Committee with some of their efforts and eventually to collaborating with Chris Emery, uh, the narrator for the movie and one of the producers. And uh, we decided that the best way to get this information out to the public, because this information has all been reported, but it has not been packaged in a way that the mass the, the mass public can see it and see the whole totality of the official story as a fraud, which is what we can prove without a doubt with this movie, is that the official story, top to bottom, is a total lie. Exactly right. And uh, so both of you obviously have a background of quite a few years now, having researched into this and done, done your own investigations. So let's start talking about the research specifically for this documentary. Obviously, you've conducted a number of interviews. Um, to start talking about how the research came together for this documentary. I, I would say that, uh, you know, a lot of that credit goes to uh, Chris Emery. He was, I think, one of the the, the first people to go out there and make those contacts and, and establish, uh, you know, communications with the, the victims, family members, and survivors. Um, and we were able to, to utilize that uh, to get these stories out. You know, a lot of these folks uh, are getting, you know, a little older in age, and they said that this is the last time they're ever going to be interviewed. Uh, so, you know, that we, we had a sense of urgency there to, to get that story out. Um, and, you know, stuff started, uh, you know, coming out, you know, years ago with Oklahoma City Mommy Investigation Committee, that was, that was really the, the, the main, uh, spear of the, you know, spearhead of the research. Um, and the, their final report is what the book is called. That was the, the culmination of, uh, uh, six years of, uh, of effort. Um, and they were trying to get a congressional hearing on, on the Oklahoma City bombing. And the book released three months before 9-11 and was completely overshadowed. And that's one of the things that uh, State Representative Charles Key, who headed up the Oklahoma City Bombing Investigation Committee, um, he uh, he said that uh, if we don't expose this stuff, you know, it gets worse. This is why we have to hold 
uh, people accountable, you know, for for the, these cover-ups, you know, or 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 it gets worse. So, what is the final runtime of this documentary? It's exactly two hours long. Two hours. So, so Holland, you're you're the writer of this, and and as someone who myself, I've tried to put together reports on the Oklahoma City bombing and tried to keep it in a, in a time limit that that makes it listenable all in one go. And it's just so mind-boggling for me to try to narrow this in, this narrative thread down to to something manageable like that. And it obviously means that you have to leave out so much information. How how difficult was it to put this together into a, a narrative that could flow in two hours? Well, it was extremely painful to leave out so many stories and so much testimony and so much evidence. But we finally decided that the purpose of the documentary is not to tell every facet of the bombing. The purpose of the documentary is to alert the public to the fact that the government lied about every aspect of the bombing and demonstrating that and keeping the scope of the movie within that, hinting at a lot of other things that we really could not go in depth on. But we do go in depth on a couple subjects and to, to show totally that the official stories are fraud. But it was very painful. We basically started with the base material, the report from the Oklahoma Bombing Investigation Committee, uh, the reports and the books that have been done by prior journalists, J.D. Cash, Jana Davis, David Hoffman, uh, the Wilburns, and others. And we just did our homework, decided who we, we needed to talk to to tell the story. We uh, sent out contacts. We interviewed them. We put the story together. And... It basically framed itself. This movie almost made itself. We kind of wrote it. I'm mean, not not wrote it, but rode the wave of this movie. You, you know, it really would have been ten hours. It, it was. It was a lot of painful cuts, a lot of meetings, sitting there talking about. You know, well, we've got to lose this. It's like, well, this is so good, but but like Colin's saying, we want to spur the research. You know, we, we're to try to encapsulate this in a two-hour documentary. We're just giving you the 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 boiled down, pure essence of it, and the most. Uh, the most damning evidence. And it's uh, very information-packed. Because of that, there are very few wasted move, uh, moments in the film. We have, like Holland said, the, the Oklahoma Bombing Investigation Committee. We incorporate that. That was the, the older information. Then in the second half of the movie, we get into some of the research that Wendy Painting has been doing, uh, an amazing researcher. She's uncovered some of the, some of the, the, the newest information. And then also uh, Jesse Trinidou. Uh, and and uh, his investigation and in trying to solve the brutal murder of his brother Kenneth Trinidu, Kenneth Trinidu at the federal transfer facility here in Oklahoma, uh, and you know he says that you know all roads he didn't he didn't start out trying to investigate the Oklahoma City bombing but he said all roads led to that and and he's uncovered amazing stuff about you know SPLC uh, informants being in place uh, at, you know at uh, this white supremacist compound. Where Timothy McVeigh uh, had associated with uh, other people uh, like Andrea Strassmeyer, that was th that Jane Graham, one of the survivors, actually saw in the basement uh, before the bombing, uh, you know, with wires and, and and what she said was gray putty. Um, yeah, so uh, th these are the types of things that uh, that we really just tried to give the audience, you know, the the real impactful key stuff, and we're not trying to beat anybody over the head with it. It's just presenting evidence. Uh, and we've had a lot of skeptics that have screened it already that said they're the first one to turn off what they would consider a conspiracy movie, and they watched the whole thing because, we're, we're again, we're just presenting evidence. 
Well, that, that is the point, and as uh, Jesse Trinidu noted, that obviously there are so many different stories that do tend to lead back to the Oklahoma City bombing. It is quite amazing when you start getting into this research, and of course, for anyone who hasn't checked out Jesse's own story, uh, it's quite incredible, and I've been honored to have a couple of interviews with him on CorbettReport.com, so I suggest that uh, as a starting point for some people who might be new to this information. But So uh, did you uh, interview Jesse specifically for the documentary? Yes, we brought him here to Oklahoma City. We interviewed him, um, which I believe is going to be the longest interview ever presented in a documentary, fully documenting his story from the beginning of his brother's murder to the information he discovered about the bombing. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more about that and some of the other people that you did interview for this documentary. So coming up after the break, we'll be talking a little bit more with James Lane and Holland Vanden Neuenhoff about a noble lie. Radio friends, I am James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and tonight we're talking to James Lane and Holland van den Neuenhoff of the new documentary film A Noble Lie at AnobleLie.com, documenting the the many, 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 many problematic points of the official story of the OKC bombing from April 19th of 1995. And these two really are a wealth of information on the subject. So if you'd like to call in with your comment or question about the OKC bombing, the phone lines are wide open at 1-800-313-9443. That's 1-800-313-9443. And we'll get you up and on the air with these two documentary filmmakers. So James and Holland, before the break, we were talking about Jesse Trinidou, uh, of course, one of the, the main people featured in this documentary, uh, who you interviewed about his remarkable story. Tell us about some of the other people that you interviewed for this documentary. Well, we uh, got an interview with uh, former Air Force General Benton K. Parton, former head of uh, weapons development for the Air Force. He came to Oklahoma City after the bombing, conducted an uh, analysis of the bombing damage, and concluded in his report, uh, report the Parton Report, which you can find online, that uh, the cause of uh, destruction in the Murrah building, the federal building, was not solely the truck bomb, that there were explosives placed inside the building. We also have interviews with um, the family of uh, police officer Terrence Yakey. He was the first police officer to respond to the bombing, and he uncovered evidence that he was trying to bring a light to from the public, and he was found dead a little over a year after the bombing. Under mysterious circumstances, he had been brutally tortured and murdered, and uh, his death was ruled a suicide. So we, yes, we have un- unfortunately, so ma- so many of these cases, like OKC, unfortunately revolve around the, the the tragic deaths of so many people who are sometimes even only tangentially related to the case, like uh, Jesse Trinidus, a brother Kenneth. Um, and unfortunately, there are so many tragic tales like that in a story like this. And um, I guess you've obviously done so much uh, research, so much, so many interviews. It would be difficult to distill this down to to um, to the highlights, so to speak. But but are there any moments from the interviews that stand out for you particularly, either on the terms of the information provided or on the the personal level? Well, one thing about this movie, like we mentioned, is is the human elements. Uh, this movie was driven by the quest for justice from the victims and the victims' family members. We interviewed several people who were inside the building, several people who lost family members, children. And that has been our, our strength uh, behind this, knowing that we are doing the right thing. Uh, like, I, like you were talking about earlier, how hard it is to distill all of this information into two hours. Well, that affords us the luxury of being able to pick apart the official story at 
at its at our choosing because it is false from top to bottom. There is no actually very little challenge in it. It's like trying to poke through a wet paper bag. And proving that to the American people that the government lied since day one about really what really happened at the bombing would destabilize this government, destabilize everything that people knew they knowingly lied about the mass murder of 168 people. So I think this information is very important and it has the potential to be a game changer in the way people view terrorism. Well, and James, uh, you and I have spoken before about uh, Officer Yakey. Uh, I mean, this man was a was a true hero that day. I mean, he saved eight people, uh, and then for him to to be uh, to, for his death to, to happen in the way that it did. I mean, he was he had uh, wounds all, all up and down his arms. You know, he had um, so much blood in the car. You know, they said his sister said you could literally dip it out with a ladle. And then we're supposed to believe that uh, he he walked a, a mile away. Uh, I mean, he's got marks on his wrist, marks on his neck, uh, and then a mile away, he decides to to sit under a tree and and shoot himself with a small caliber weapon at a downward angle from the top from the top of his head coming out at at his chin, uh, and far enough away that it didn't leave powder burns, and and they call this a suicide, uh, and it's it, it's it's a real tragedy because you know we don't know what he what information he had. I, I mean, I know that. You know, he had told his family, he had called them crying one time saying, you know, as, as he's seeing the, the, the official story unfold, the cover-up start to happen, he says, that's not the way that it occurred, you know, and, and these are the, the people that, that we want to remember. Uh, you know, I, one of the key things about uh, Officer Yakey's story, though, and how it goes to expose the lie is that he was on the scene within minutes. I mean, he was one of the first people there. And, you know, the official story claims that, uh, Timothy McVeigh used ammonium nitrate and fuel oil uh, to do all that damage to the building, uh, which, you know, later in the movie we, we pick apart and, and disprove and show that there were additional ordnance. But the fact that he was on the scene and, and was able to save those people uh, says that there was no ammonium nitrate cloud in the area after the bomb, and that is a signature of an ANFO bomb. Every, every other case of, uh, of ANFO being used in history uh, people are, are overcome from the nitric gas. Um, Sterling Hall, you know, uh, it was a 40, 41 years last August was attacked and, uh, with, with ANFO and all it did was a little facade damage to the building. It didn't actually do any structural damage. Uh, and the first 26 responders were hospitalized from, from the ammonium nitrate gas. This did not happen in Oklahoma City. Uh, so I mean, I, it's just, it, it's, again, it's a myth from top to bottom, like Colin said. Unfortunately so, and one that unfortunately has been built up and then reinforced by the corporate media to such an extent over the, the last uh, 16 years now that unfortunately it's become sort of part of the, the cultural understanding that everyone seems to think that they know what happened in, in Oklahoma City that day, but very few actually do know the, the documented facts that contradict it. So that's why I think documentaries like this that can put, put it all and condense it down into a two-hour segment that will get make people start researching this more for themselves is, is very valuable. So once again, it is at anoblelie.com. That's A-N-O-B-L-E-L-I-E.com. So I suggest people go and uh, watch the trailer and purchase their copy of the DVD, which will be uh, shipping next week. It's coming out December 9th, 2011. So well, let's take a short break, and we'll be right back with James Lane and Holland Van Den Everyone I know goes away. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. 
Welcome back to the broadcast, friends. James Corbett here from CorbettReport.com, and you are listening to Corbett Report Radio, where tonight we are talking to James Lane and Holland van den Neunhoff of the new documentary film, A Noble Lie, about the OKC bombing on April 19th, 1995. And as I say, these two gentlemen have been doing years of research and really do know this case back to front. So we've been spending some time talking about the documentary in general, but I'm looking forward to getting into various aspects of the OKC case itself. But before we do that, of course, the phone lines are open at 1-800-313-9443. And we have one caller waiting patiently on the line. Roy from Michigan, what's on your mind tonight? Yeah, when uh, that Oklahoma bombing happened, uh, I, I had gathered quite a bit of evidence real quickly after it had happened and uh, started circulating it, and uh, which obviously upset them real bad because they started going to my friends and relatives and trying to associate me with the Oklahoma bombing. Uh, and they, uh, they wouldn't come to me, and so what I did is I put uh, a 12-by-60 uh, billboard out of my front yard, exposing them uh, not just on that bombing, but a lot of the other things that they were involved in, like the Waco and all the other things. And uh, But I am very uh, anxious to... Uh, uh, to get my hands on uh, the evidence that they have, uh, you know, because I'm sure that they probably have got more than I do, and I got plenty. Well, that's that's that right, they... and I think your story is probably similar to a lot of people about this case. Unfortunately, a lot of people have been harassed, and of course, it did set up within itself, within the own narrative that the government constructed, the idea of these domestic terrorists are everywhere, and therefore they must be stopped. So anyone who talks about and tries to expose what the government is doing, unfortunately, will fall into that rubric. So, um, so James and Holland, how about uh, people that you've talked to in regards to this film? I'm, I'm sure many of them have, have dealt with their own harassment from the authorities about their, their research over the years. Well, that seems to be a common theme. What you'll find is that even people trying to uncover documents and present the information to the public are being wiretapped and threatened. Uh, we interviewed a police officer who was his life was threatened by the FBI and FBI agent. Uh, talked to more than one person who've been harassed, followed around. Police officers, other police officers are being followed around by the FBI for simply, uh, asking the wrong questions. A federal grand juror who was dismissed from the case for asking questions of his own, he was, uh, FBI was paying visits to his house and, and displaying, uh, hardware, guns, trying to scare him. They were calling all his associates and asking if this person was a terrorist. It, you know, he lost his business because of, because of it. A lot of these people suffered a lot of harassment and a lot of, uh, you know, more than one person lost their business because of the harassment by the FBI. They do not want this story coming out. And it's to their bravery, uh, that fact of their bravery, that we know the information we know. Well, and also, uh, we were uh, given a document by uh, Operation Defuse, and we see that the intimidation and, and demonization of anybody trying to expose this corruption uh, continues to this day. Uh, this was uh, actually at a fusion center, and it lists under domestic uh, terrorism uh, the Oklahoma City Bombing Investigation Committee website. Uh, and these, these people, you know, this is the state representative. These people, you know. It's a survivor. Uh, yeah. A retired military officer, and they're labeling them domestic terrorists simply for asking questions about the bombing. Now, when you tie that in with this bill that's uh, out now, what is it, S-1867, the National Defense uh, Authorization Act, uh, where they're talking about rounding up American citizens and, 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 you know, stripping them of their constitutional rights, holding them indefinitely without charge, uh, 
uh, you know, and we you see Cass Sunstein saying that, that the government has to uh, infiltrate, uh, the information, sorry, that the government has to infiltrate uh, conspiracy groups and all these people that, uh, that are trying to expose corruption and get to the truth. I mean, we're seeing a pattern here that, that it's, it's a pretty scary picture. Absolutely, and it's it's quite disgusting, really, to see the way that uh, that people are being demonized for this type of research. So, so Roy, did you have any uh, question for James and Holland? Yeah, uh, uh, where is that documentary going to be available? Where can I get it? Uh, and uh, I know it's not going to be released. You said for another couple of weeks, but uh, is it going to be available uh, where? Anobalie dot com. It'll be available early next week. Oh, it will be next week. And, yes, sir. And how expensive is it going to be? It's twenty dollars. You can order a copy now, and you'll be one of the first to get one. Okay. And if and if I was to do that, now let me ask you one other question. Now, if uh, after I look at this evidence and I and I decided I wanted to circulate it, well, would uh, uh, after buying the initial, would I uh, would I be able to copy or not? Uh, at this time, we we're just trying to recoup our expenses. This uh, this was funded out of our own pocket, so right. uh, you know, it's, uh, it, yeah, we do want to to try to uh, make a, another documentary. Uh, okay. So yeah, I mean, at this time, we just ask folks to to just go directly to the website and purchase there to support the filmmakers. All right, excellent. All right, thank you so much All for right. the call, hey, Roy. Thank, uh, you. thank you for your input there. And we also have another caller in the line. We have Ross from Seattle. So uh, Ross, welcome to the program. All right, thanks for taking my call. Um, I'd just love, like to give my two cents worth regarding ANFO explosives. Um, I was a paratrooper in the British Army during the mid to late 80s, and I served in Northern Ireland in Bork country. Uh, it was a bandit country right on the border between the north and the south. Yes, the IRA pioneered uh, ANFO explosives. Yeah, they were experts at it. And I was personally on the scene of an ANFO bombing, um, about an hour after it happened, they, uh, they buried about 2,000, they reckon 1,500 to 2,000 pounds in a culvert under the road, and they detonated it as the car, the target, went over it, and it, it blew the car into pieces, but left a crater in the road probably, I don't know, 20 meters across and about 10 feet deep, but about 25 to 30 meters away was a farmhouse and a barn, and the farmhouse just had a few windows blown out, and the bomb had the shingles blown off the roof. So I know for a fact that an ANFO bomb cannot shatter concrete pillars like they say it did in Oklahoma City bombing. And that's pretty much all I have to say about it, and I'd just like to thank you for making the documentary. Well, thank you very much. I, 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 we appreciate that. And, you know, uh, Dr. Samuel Cohen, the inventor of the neutron bomb, he said that uh, it would be against the, the laws of nature, uh, no matter how much ammonium nitrate and fuel oil was uh, was used to, to bring that, that building down. And someone could simply uh, do a test. Let's say, let's do a test and explode a bomb outside a building and see if it has the same characteristics. Fortunately for us, uh, the U.S. military did conduct a test after the bombing at Eglin Air Force Base. They decided to simulate the Oklahoma City bombing with a test structure. And they, then what they did was they, they made a bomb exactly like the FBI said it was made, a dozen or so barrels full of ANFO. And what they found was that each barrel of ANFO acted as its own explosive. And it largely canceled the explosive force out, and most of the remaining force was blown upward. So the engineers at Eglin actually had to construct a single, more, more powerful bomb 
and they exploded it outside a very simply constructed test structure with no support columns. And what they found was that their single more powerful bomb inflicted much less damage on a very simple building than what took place at Oklahoma City. Then the engineers at Eglin exploded bombs inside the building to demonstrate what would happen if what the damage would be from interior-placed explosives. And the report, which we feature in the movie from Eglin Air Force Base, based on their simulation of the Oklahoma City bombing, the Air Force's own report says there is no way that truck bomb did all the damage to the building. Absolutely, absolutely incredible. Well, Ross, thank you for sharing those experiences. Um, absolutely incredible. When you start to look into this, just everything about it is a lie. And and you mentioned that they that they were doing testing after the after the case, after the fact, uh, trying to replicate what happened at the at the Murrah Building. But uh, as I understand it, they were actually doing testing before the Murrah Building ever happened. And the ATF were doing uh, explosions of rider trucks out in the desert. But correct me if I'm wrong. Before the the bombing ever took place. You're actually right on that. Operation Dipole Might was authorized by the National Security Council in the early 1990s to simulate ANFO explosions. Uh, the ATF was in charge of this operation. It took place, I believe, at White Sands Missile Range in New Mexico, I believe. It was in the desert, I know that. And what, what they found was that it actually took the ATF three tries to construct a functioning ammonium nitrate bomb. And another question we have to ask is why all of a sudden the interest in ammonium nitrate bombs in the early 90s, the only known case of a terrorist attack in the U.S. using an info bomb was the Sterling Hall bombing in 1970, which actually uh, led to the popularity of info being later used in Northern Ireland, but it hadn't been used in America since then. And all of a sudden, the ATF is embarking on these uh, missions to construct info bombs. And in fact, one of those ATF agents, and this is confirmed by Newsweek in two different accounts, was in Oklahoma City. Same guy who was in on the testing in the in the desert was in Oklahoma City that morning for some reason and called in immediately that it was an ANFO explosion, which I find problematic because the explosion had none of the signatures of an ANFO explosion. So I don't know where he got his uh, conclusion from. Exactly right. Exactly right. Well, I think one of the the best ways, the most fruitful ways to approach any any subject like this is to take a look at the official story and to deconstruct it piece by piece. So I think the general understanding of what happened in Oklahoma City that day would be to say that uh, Timothy McVeigh drove the drove the the bomb to the building around just before nine a.m. Um, detonated the, ti- the timer himself, and, and then and then went away. And uh, the bomb went off, caused all the damage, and then uh, he was picked up later on, and eventually was prosecuted and tra- found guilty for his part in the bombing. As was Terry Nichols, and they, those were the two two men who were really tied to the bombing, and that was it. So, how many aspects of that story uh, hold up to scrutiny? Well, <clears throat> from the beginning, Tim McVeigh was not alone in his preparation of the bombing. We have witnesses on tape proving that the FBI timeline on the preparation of the bomb is false. Uh, the fact that the F- government still says McVeigh drove that truck by himself to the Murrah building is a is almost laughable if it wasn't so tragic. He was not alone. Every person who saw McVeigh the morning of the bombing saw him with other people. In fact, during the trial of McVeigh, only one witness was produced to, to actually place McVeigh in Oklahoma City. Under cross-examination, this witness admitted that she had seen McVeigh with another person. To this day, the FBI, the Government Department of Justice, say he was alone. This is not true, and they could simply be resolved by releasing the videotapes that surround the, the Murrah building. The Murrah building had several videotapes on it. All the downtown businesses had, had tapes on them. There were dozens of tapes that would have shown exactly what would have happened. None of them have been released. In fact, the FBI claims they lost them, and they don't know where they are. 
In addition to that, we have uh, multiple survivors that uh, that say that uh, the building was coming down 8 to 10 seconds before the truck bomb went off. Now, according to the FEMA report, the blast wave was moving at 1,300 feet per second. Now, how does how does Jane Graham uh, start thinking about, is it is it an earthquake? You know, questioning, you know, what, what's happening to the building. Then the truck bomb goes off. B.Z. Lawton gets hit in the head with uh, debris falling from the ceiling, gets knocked under his desk. Then the, the truck bomb goes off. Other people are talking about the same thing. They thought it was an earthquake. They jump under their desk. I mean, there's, it just, it doesn't make sense. And the seismograph at three different locations in Oklahoma reported two different seismic events as verified and backed up by the Oklahoma Geological Survey. Incredible. Well, one of the aspects of this case that fascinates me is an uh, aspect that also fascinates me about the, the JFK assassination. And in, in, in that case, of course, being blamed on lone gunman Lee Harvey Oswald, who himself had just an incredible history when people start looking into who he was and his associations and his background. Similarly, I think Timothy, Timothy McVeigh is very, very different than a lot of people would probably understand if they had only listened to the mainstream media uh, representations of him. So what can you s tell us about Timothy McVeigh and his background? Well, the official story says that Tim McVeigh was a disgruntled soldier who uh, tried out for special forces, failed, and uh, left the Army, became an anti-government drifter living from hotel, hotel room to gun show, eventually becoming mad over Waco and deciding to bomb the building pretty much by himself. He supposedly only used Terry Nichols to help him build the bomb, and he only told one other person, uh, Michael Fortier, about the plot. That is what the official story dictates. That's what people are in prison for, and that's what that's where they say the story ended. But... McVeigh in the Army, according to his family, was inducted into a special program that he did not wash out of special forces. McVeigh's own statements to his own lawyers telling them that he was working for the government, that he was recruited to spy on neo-Nazis. The fact that, that McVeigh is in the company of several known informants in the months prior to the bombing in eastern Oklahoma at a white supremacist community called Elohim City, in Texas, all over with government informants. The fact that the Arizona Department of Public Safety is investigating McVeigh for illegal weapons before the bombing. Now they deny this. He was on the radar. He was hanging out with government informants. He told his family that he was carrying out secret missions. He told uh, Terry Nichols, his uh, only convicted conspirator, that he was working for the FBI, that he had been recruited for undercover missions out of the Army. He is not just a lone, patsy, disgruntled, crazy nut like all these patsies are. He was, at the very least being watched every step of the way. And then, you know, people have asked, you know, why would he not speak up about the other other people involved? And when we see that uh, immediately after he's taken into custody, uh, his uh, 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 defense is actually consulting with a, a psychologist by the name of Dr. Jolyon West. Uh, Dr. Jolyon West was the number two psychological warfare expert in the country just under Dr. Ewan Cameron. Um and he worked with Patty Hearst, Saran Saran, and Jack Ruby. This man had a history of coming in after these events. And, uh, you know, there were people that saw McVeigh that said that, uh, you know, he would have admitted to assassinating Abraham Lincoln. It was like he was, was doped up or something. Uh, then, you know, that gets even deeper whenever you look at, uh, that was, his case was handed off to, uh, Jolly West protege, uh, John Smith. And he is now head of psychology at Guantanamo Bay. It just gets more and more crazy the more you look into it. And another thing that, that I know came up a few years ago now is that someone surfaced with some footage of what they claim to be Tim Timothy McVeigh on an armed forces base after the time when he was supposedly discharged from the Army at a base that specifically um, was dealing with explosives training. 
And uh, I don't know if you if you guys saw that case or if you were able to find out anything more about that, but the footage uh, was online, but I can't find it anymore. Did you hear anything about that case? Yes, I actually helped break that story in 2006, uh, the Bill Bean footage. Bill Bean was a prospective filmmaker, and he was on a uh, military base in one of the Dakotas. I believe it was North Dakota, and uh, Camp Grafton. And uh, he was just filming the soldiers there, and... Uh, he filmed someone on tape who appeared to be Tim McVeigh. He didn't know, of course, this is before the bombing, and he had no idea even after the bombing what he had on tape um, until he was being subjected to a, a years-long harassment campaign of which he had no idea where it was coming from. He finally uh, had someone go over all the tape he had, and, and he realized that he had Tim McVeigh on tape before the bombing in Army uniform after Tim McVeigh left the Army at a school that specialized in explosive ordnance demolition which is uh, useful, actually, I mean, to the to trying to construct the narrative here because Tim McVeigh himself had no prior explosives training. Um, you know, so this tape is very mysterious. I mean, we just really don't know what to make of it. And uh, what we do know is that uh, some people were not too pleased it came out. And we, uh, we actually do have an interview with him. Uh, we weren't able to incorporate it in the movie. Again, we're just trying to get it down to, to two hours. Uh, we do plan on releasing that uh, through We Are Change Oklahoma, uh, and so uh, keep an eye out for that. It was a, a detailed interview with Bill Bean, uh, and uh, he, he'll go into to great description about the event. Yeah, and we had, there were a lot of people we interviewed that will have to be included in later editions. Excellent. I'm Well, I'm very much looking forward to all of that information because I know there are so many aspects of this case, as we said earlier, that, uh, that you just can't get into in one documentary. But uh, let's take a short break, and after these messages, we'll be right back with James Lane and Holland van den Uenhoff. Welcome back to the broadcast, friends. James Corbett here from CorbettReport.com, and you're tuned into Corbett Report Radio, where we're talking to James Lane and Holland van den Neuenhoff about their new documentary, A Noble Lie, at AnobleLie.com. And we have time to sneak in one last caller here. So we have Chris in Las Vegas. Chris, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Jim, and thank those guys for the great job they've done. I've already purchased their video online, but I have to tell you, I'm from Oklahoma City originally. I have clear memories of the day. I've read the Gunderson report. I've seen the cover-up in Oklahoma City video, and I have believed for many years, being a former multi-jurisdictional law enforcement officer, that this was a mere false flag operation carried out to change the, the temperature of the public who had grown ingrained angst against uh, preferential Oklahoma City events, Ruby Ridge and Waco, and that was merely a a operation brought about to bring the weight of this pendulum of public opinion back to the side of law enforcement and set the tone for many of the false flag operations that have occurred since. I'm curious if they're aware of those documents in Ted Gunderson's book and what they had to think. I, I knew uh, Lana Padilla and Nichols, who was Terry Nichols' ex-wife out here, and I have quite a bit of uh, attention because I'm from there, has drawn me specifically to that particular case. And I thank you very much for your work. I'll let you finish off the air. All right, thank well, you, Chris. So, Holland, James, what, what do you have to say? Well, I actually have the Gunderson Report sitting on my desk. Uh, he passed away a couple months ago, but he uh, his work will live on. Um, yes, well, I can only say uh, thank you for uh, paying attention to the issue and uh, the fact that 
you, this what we have done with this movie is is taken everything that everyone has done before us and broke new ground ourselves and packaged it in a way where people can see what really happened at Oklahoma City, learn the real history of their country. This is what they're telling us what happened, that it was a lone patsy, is not the truth. Why are they lying about it? Who benefited? Now, you, we can always uh, point the fingers at who benefited, and there is no paper trail that says they did it because of this, but we can see the effects of it. And they certainly did take advantage of the climate shift after Oklahoma City to demonize anyone who criticized the government for its excesses. I mean, Leon Panetta at the time was was uh, moaning about the fact that agents were being pulled off the um, the Oklahoma City bombing to help out with the Waco congressional investigation. They were trying to divert all attention away from it and concentrate on the fact that a man mad at the government killed 19 children and a bunch of other people in the Murrah building, and that is the real threat. And we need more people out there, uh, like this last caller, that's, that's that investigating this, telling people about it, you know, getting the word out. And this is what this movie is is, is uh, driven for. I mean, we want people to to start their own investigation. Don't take our word for it. Do the research. You know, I mean, the documents we show in the film are available. Anybody can find those. You know, go out there, do your own research, and 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 wake people up, spread this information because we see that Oklahoma City was the precursor to nine eleven. You know, the the legislation that that passed. After Oklahoma City was, I mean, it, it, very similar to what we saw with the Patriot Act. You know, uh, it, it, as long as, you know, these institutions, uh, whatever your thoughts are of their involvement with it, it it's very obvious that their uh, primary goal is self-preservation above, above all else. Exactly right, and unfortunately the institutions always only grow in power and, and in funding every time they, they do fail, quote-unquote, in such a spectacular way as they did in OKC or in New York on 9-11. So, unfortunately, we are only likely to see the stakes rise with each new, more spectacular terrorist incident, unless people do get the word out about the OKC bombing and the information contained in this valuable new documentary that I, my, I myself, again, have just purchased and am very much looking forward to receiving. So I hope that you will go and check it out at anoblelie.com. And again, the link will be available from corporatereport.com slash radio shortly after tonight's broadcast. So, James Holland, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Thank you very much. Thank you, James. All right, excellent. Well, it was great talking to you, and I hope that all of you out there will go and check out their documentary. And until tomorrow night, thank you so much, and take care.